Welcome to Discovery Church's Sunday Service Podcast. This Sunday's podcast is a continuation of the series Hosea, Part 3. This is the greatest chapter in the Bible, in my opinion. It's the greatest because it portrays the story of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for his people in the most concise and poignant form to be found anywhere. The greatest love story ever told in the Bible is the story of Jesus and the cross and the work accomplished on the cross that's lived out in this chapter. Hosea chapter 3 shows us God's work of redemption. I hope you enjoy this, uh, this series in Hosea. This is part 3. We'd love it if you would join us on Sundays for our Sunday morning services at The Loft. You can find out more information on our website at discoverychurch.ca. Thanks for listening. be uh, continuing the series uh, on Hosea, and uh, I would say that this uh, message, which comes from chapter 3, I think that this chapter 3 is probably the greatest chapter in the Bible. Now, that's a pretty bold statement for me to say, right? Uh, This chapter is the greatest chapter in the Bible. Why? Because it images, it shows us with this drama, this play, this uh, living metaphor between Hosea and Gomer, it plays out for us in five short verses what Jesus did for us on the cross. That he came and paid the price, which was his own body for us. And uh, he died on the cross for us. And what happened is that we got redeemed, that his death paid the price for our sin. And so his death wiped away our sin. His death paid the price for us, and we are redeemed. And this short little verse, five verses from the chapter of Hosea is the greatest chapter because it gives us the clearest example of what it's like for God to do that for his people. Remember with this whole series that Hosea and Gomer are playing the role of God and his people. Hosea plays the role of God and and Gomer plays the role of us. And Gomer wanders off. She has a child with Hosea, but then has two children with two other men. And she goes off and lives with them. And Hosea even brings money and resources to her to support her because she can't support herself, even though she's not willing to come back and live with him. And so there's this, this symbolism of love that just grows uh, uh, in our hearts as we kind of listen to how God is feeling about us, his people. So today we're going to pick up the story in Hosea chapter 3, and uh, Annika is going to read the scripture for us today. Hosea 3, verses 1 to 5. Hosea's wife is redeemed. Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Then I said to her, You must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or prince and without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. 
But afterward, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. Well, thank you, Annika, for reading the scripture to us today. Uh, my wife, uh, AJ, and I, we have done pre-marriage counseling and couples counseling for probably about 40 couples, I think, in, in our 17 years or 18 years. Actually, probably 20 years because we did some before we came here as well. So that's a, that's a lot of couples, pre-marriage counseling and couples counseling that we've done over the years. And one of the things that uh, we do every time, and it's a story that's kind of grown and uh, kind of solidified every time we do this, is we share the story about the three kinds of love in a marriage relationship. And you've probably heard me say this here, and I produced a video uh, uh, two years ago on YouTube, and it's got several hundred views. Uh, it's called The Three Kinds of Love. And it's just about a four-minute description of what kinds of love there are in a married relationship. There are three kinds. And the first one is romantic love. I mean, that's really important. And it's based upon the Greek word uh, thelo, which is desire. My, I have desire for my spouse, right? That's the romantic side of things, uh, that there's this you know, heart racing and ooey gooey and, you know, palm sweaty kind of thing. And that's really important in, in a marriage, in a relationship. Uh, it's one of the key factors uh, in a married relationship. The other one is the second kind of love is friendship love. And that's where you build trust with one another. It comes from the Greek word filio or tender affection. And we have that for our spouses. We, we look at each other and, and we have this tender affection for, one, for the other one. It's a friendship that grows and it's where trust is built. And those two things are absolutely crucial in a married relationship. But the third kind of love is called covenant love. And covenant love is that rock solid love that never fails. It's based upon God's love for you and for me. And we're called to model that love in our relationship, our relationship with one another where we say, I am not going to leave you. And that's where our marriage vows come from, right? I will be with you in sickness and in health till death do us part. And there's all kinds of vows that we make to each other because God makes the same vows with us in his love for us. He says, I'm never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. I will not walk away. I will always be here. I will always love you unconditionally with grace. And I will forgive you when you come back to me. And we, in the same token, when we start our relationship with God, we look to him and say, you're going to be my God. And I'm not going to go anywhere. And I'm, I'm not going to spend time with other gods. I'm going to be only there with you. And I'm going to follow your commands. And I'm going to do as you ask me because I know that you love me unconditionally. Not because you're wagging your finger at me, because you love me unconditionally. And I can sin and come back to you and you still love me no matter what. And that's the kind of love that we're supposed to model in our married relationships. That's a pretty high bar, isn't it? I mean, you think about the person that you married maybe this week. <laughs> you think about the, the high bar that God sets for us and you think about what happened between you and your spouse this week and you think, my goodness, <laughs> I got a long way to go. <laughs> Covenant love is what's left over when friendship and romantic love is gone in a relationship. You know, sometimes it can happen that, that you go through a dry spell in your marriage or your relationship and you get to a place where there's no friendship anymore because of broken trust or because of dishonesty or um, 
unfaithfulness. There's no romance anymore. And all you're left with is this commitment that you made. And yet, it's what gets you through those really, really difficult times. Because you can look at that person and say, I don't know if I could do this. And then you remember that God modeled the kind of love that I'm supposed to have for this other person. It's the love that gets you through when that person has a terminal illness. It's the love that gets you through when they're unfaithful. It's the love that gets you through when they've broken their promises. Covenant love, God's kind of love. And that's what this chapter's about. This chapter sets up the whole idea of that kind of love for you and me from God. Hosea's relationship with Gomer is that kind of love. God certainly tells him how to love, and, and we get that from God too, right? We read the Bible, we start to understand God's love, and he speaks to us and tells us how we should be loving towards other people. So uh, Hosea's relationship with Gomer, it was broken. I mean, there was no romance, there was no friendship, trust was broken, Every, she was unfaithful. There was nothing that you could say that would be a relationship-worthy relationship between them except for the covenant love that he committed to. So Hosea goes to redeem his wife. Uh, verse, chapter, uh, chapter three, verse one. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. And we find out here that uh, Hosea is actually going to go to the slave market to buy her back. Verse 2, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. So we get this information that, that, that Gomer is in the slave market. Now we know a lot about slavery from this time because there's a lot written about it. And there's a lot of information about it. And what happens during this time when somebody's in slavery is that they would be sent to Samaria... They would be stripped naked, put in the marketplace, and stood up on a podium, and people would bid on these people. It was property. That's what you have to think of there. Hosea is going to the marketplace to buy this woman. And the only way that she would be sent into slavery, well, there's three ways that somebody could become a slave. One was because of, of, of a conquest, right? An army would come in and capture the people and put them into slavery. Or two, that you were born into slavery, you had parents who were slaves and you were born and now you're a slave. Or number three, that she was unable to pay her debt to her creditors. And this is probably what's happened to Gomer. She's gotten to a place where Hosea has stopped bringing the resources. He stopped supporting her. Her debts are too far gone. And she gets in trouble with her creditors and gets put into slavery to pay her debt. She's going to be sold to pay her debt. And that's where Hosea finds her, in the marketplace. Just imagine this for a moment. One man started the bidding. Twelve shekels of silver. Thirteen, said Hosea. Someone else said, fourteen. Another bidder was fifteen. The low bidders were starting to drop out, but one man continued bidding 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley. And then Hosea says, 
All right, 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. And the auctioneer looks around and doesn't see anybody else who's ready to bid. Sold to Hosea for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine. Hosea paid the cost. Hosea paid so that Gomer could be redeemed. The word redeemed can mean a couple of different things. It can mean to be delivered or ransomed or reclaimed or rescued. And when you try to think about what that is, it's so important for us to understand what God did for us. We have to understand what the word redeemed means because if we don't, we we miss out on the gravity of what God has done by sending his son to take our place, to pay the price, the ultimate price. To redeem is to buy or get something back or to pay off a loan or, uh, you know, a good example is when you put something in the pawn shop, right? You get some money for the item, but in order to get it back, you have to bring money in order to redeem it. Paying off a car loan or a mortgage is a way to redeem the property, to say, I paid the price and now it's mine. And there's always a cost associated with it. Matthew 28, there's lots of, uh, you know, instances in in the New Testament about what Jesus said about this idea of redemption. Matthew 28 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what the cost was going to be, his life. That God is going to buy us out of slavery to sin at the cost of his life. First Peter is probably the clearest passage in the whole New Testament about what this redemption is all about. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which, is lose, which loses their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. That's what's happening in this story with, between Hom- Hosea and Gomer. And you've got to understand that at this point, when he pays that price, she is now his possession. He owns her. And in that culture, you know, that, that's what part of the culture. You know, not too long ago, 100 years ago, it was still part of our culture. And it's still part of the culture in many places around the world today. The slavery still exists. He now owns his wife as property. And because of all that she's done to him and the unfaithfulness that she has done, you, you know, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to think that you know, Hosea could enact some revenge here, right? I mean, he, he could make her life miserable. He could take advantage of her. His friends would be laughing at him for paying this price. I mean, she left you for crying out loud. Get rid of her. Let her be done with. Let her be sold into slavery. Let her be the one that that has to work and slave over something and and take care of other things and be the property of someone else so that she can't go into this lifestyle again. It would be reasonable for Hosea to look at this now as an opportunity to take some kind of revenge. But that's not what Hosea does. Verse 3 And then he said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. And during this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. 
It's an interesting couple of things there, and I want to kind of play them out for you. He yet, uh, Hosea could have had Gomer killed if he wanted to. That's, that's the, the right of the property owner in slavery. But he doesn't because at this point, God says, love your wife again. This is an illustration of God's love for his people Israel. Does God really love like that? Yes. God steps into the marketplace of sin and buys you and me out of our sin's bondage by the death of Jesus Christ. The story of Hosea standing in the marketplace uh, under God's orders to purchase back his wife is the story of God and his people, you and me. That's what restoration looks like, to pay the price. It's not harsh. It's not punitive. Look at the verse here. Where it, Go back to the verse, uh, verse 3. Uh, look at what it says, Hosea says there. Uh, then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. He basically puts clothes on her, takes her out of the marketplace, hides her in the anonymity of his own home and says, you've got to stop sinning the way you've been sinning. Isn't that true of you and me when we come back to God? We come back to him and we say, God, we're sorry for our sins, but God says, I love you. I'm going to take care of you, but stop your sinning. Don't go back to it again. And the next part of this verse is, and during this time, you will not have any relations with anyone, not even with me. And Hosea is, look, I'm not going to take advantage of this relationship. I'm not going to force my rights upon you because we're going to live together and we're going to try to make this work. We're going to try to, to get to a place where you love me again and that I can love you and I'll be your husband Just pay attention to the process of redemption here. First is Hosea gives her a positive message of commitment to care for her for many days. This is my unconditional love. You are now my wife once again. I'm not going to force myself on you. That's not my right. But my right is that you are my wife and I'm going to behave like your husband. And secondly, Hosea sets the conditions for this new relationship You can't go back to that old way of life. And then he promises her, I will be your husband. We are Gomer in the story. You and me. We're slaves sold into the auction block of sin. And the world bids for us. It sees us in our nakedness. It bids us with fame and wealth. Prestige, influence, power, all of those things are the cost or the price that they will pay for our allegiance. But when all seems lost, God shows up and says, I'll pay the price. And just as Hosea and Gomer, just as Hosea cut Gomer off from the men who led her into adultery, God will remove the factors of sin in our life if we live in relationship with him. Verse 4 says this. This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or a prince or without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. But afterwards, the people will return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and David's descendant, their king. In the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. 
the prophecy here. The prophet foretells the future. This is a foretelling of the future. As a matter of fact, from this, this time forward, this period of time could be seen as the time when the people of Israel never fully as a nation repented of their sin. And they ended up rejecting the king, King David, the king of, sorry, the, the king of David's line, Jesus, the Messiah. The Jewish nation would never have a king again. And unless they s- turned from their sin and repented of their sin and walked away, which they didn't, they ended up rejecting the Messiah. So how are we supposed to apply this to our lives? What are we supposed to do? You know, in the Bible, God says, I don't want any one of you to die. I don't want anyone to perish. God first loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. He said in 1 Peter, I don't want any of you to die. I don't want anyone to perish. I want my love to be sufficient for you, that you come to me and spend time with me and journey with me. And he promises the church that nothing can separate us from God's love. Romans chapter 8 is a great Verses from Romans chapter 8, 38, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 But unfortunately, in our day and age, a lot of us don't live like this is true. We come across people all the time who don't live out this kind of love for other people. We have harsh words for people. We try to figure out how to hurt someone because hurt people hurt people. We figure out ways to try and sue one another. We, we trash talk others. We, we have severe criticisms. And they're not aimed at restoration. My plea to you is that you live with the kind of love for others as God loves you. You see, even us good people, if we can call ourselves good, need reminding once in a while. That that's the kind of love we're supposed to have for each other. The most important thing that you can give to people around you is God's love working through you. You know, we can choose this even when it's the hardest thing to do, even when we're, we're prone to do something else or we're prone to think one way or another that it's not loving. We can choose to love each other. It's a choice, not a feeling. And if you're married... Or if you're thinking about being married, this is the standard for your love that God asked you to live up to, to the person in your life. You know, the word for covenant love is agape. And that word really doesn't have much of a definition except to express it in the actions of the person who gives it to another. The actions of the word agape are to love someone unconditionally, 
It is to serve that person. It is to care for them and compassionate to them. It is an action word. It's not a noun. And we're called to live up to that standard, the standard of God that says, I will love you no matter what. I don't know, some of you might be saying, well, are you telling me that if, if my spouse runs away or is unfaithful to me, that I'm supposed to love them? Yes. If they hurt me, am I supposed to still love them? Yes, with God's kind of love. But that's not fair. Well, it's true, it's not fair. But it's the kind of love that God wants us to show to the people in our life. That's the standard. Now, it takes two people in a relationship to do that. Fortunately, we have God who is loving unconditionally, steady, never walking away, never leaving us, never forsaking us. But in a marriage, we have two people who are sinful, and oftentimes things happen in a relationship, and one person will walk away, and the other person is still called to love. Wow, that's tough. And if possible, bring about reconciliation. And I know that there are situations where that's just not possible. That there's abuse in a relationship. There's neglect. One person just walks out the door and doesn't want to have anything to do with the marriage anymore. But it's still the standard that we're called to live by. Let me ask you this. Would God walk away from you? Will God abandon you if, if he saw what you were doing and he really thought about all the stuff that you've, you've done in your life that would be displeasing to him? Would he just like throw in a towel and walk away? Would he deny you if you tried to come back to him? Would he stop pursuing you? Well, no. This passage just, just screams the love of God in a way that that we just have a hard time wrapping our heads around. Hosea would do such a thing with Gomer that he would buy her back, bring her back into his home, look at her and say, I love you and I will make this work if you're willing to make this work. And God's love is like that. God says, I love you unconditionally. Come back to me. Walk away from the sin in your life and be obedient to me in the world, in the, in the world that we live together. Even in the midst of betrayal and rejection, God loves you that much. But God's love can produce so much grace and forgiveness as it's demonstrated through us each day. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the image, the illustration of Hosea and Gomer's love. We know, Lord, that we don't have a lot to measure up to. That it's a long way that we've got to go to reach that. But you, would you give us courage to do that in the midst of all of the things that are going on in our relationships, in our church with one another, in the world? Would you give us the courage to love that way? In Jesus' name, amen.